Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode. And today I have with me Cody Rodriguez. Cody is the CEO of a company called Iron Orchard, and it has a really interesting and unique story that lays out the importance of corporate culture in a way that, frankly, I had not thought about and certainly is not something compliance practitioners think about enough. So, Cody, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, first of all, welcome and thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. And I'm glad to be here. So let's just say right off the top, you're not a lawyer. So uh, you have a very different professional background than a compliance professional. So if you could tell us what your professional background is. Yes. Yeah, so my professional background is I'm actually a petroleum engineer, graduated LSU, worked for public companies, and then went work for uh, MLP in the upstream side, oil and gas, and then worked for private equity back company and then started Iron Orchard a little bit over a year ago. So what's the business of Iron Orchard? The business. So we are a small private oil and gas operator. We kind of began doing it all ourselves just with management funds that were gleaned from the private equity turn that we had done. And so we put together 37,000 acres in the Midland Basin and turned it for about $1.6 billion to SM Energy end of 2016. And then we looked and just didn't like the market. So we came with those funds as well as some investor funds and started acquiring oil and gas. And so what we do is we saw a niche market, things that other people weren't willing to operate for the right price. So we buy oil and gas assets. We contract operate for other people. Right now, we're in the process of accumulating assets and helping people during the times that we've got, being very capitally disciplined along the way kind of as our strategy. One of the things that struck me about your story was you identified a market need and a market niche. But you did much more than simply come up with a great idea. You did lots of literally boots on the ground investigation. In the compliance world, we call that due diligence, but it's just investigation. And I was wondering if you could share with the audience literally what you did to determine if your idea was commercially valid. Yeah, so we started, we had come out of a equity backing by NCAP of $400 million. We came out of that and started on our own and said, hey, look, we want to make sure, just like in everything else we've ever done, that we did it ourselves and risked our own dollars before we ever risked anybody else's. And so we spent about 100 meetings talking to every CEO and investor and different type of folks that could be a little bit more educated or smart than us in the space. And then created the entity and then found the niche market of we saw that there was a big gap between what the private individual could do and then what a private equity back company could do because the private equity company has to buy an asset large enough that supports a team. And so we were all you know young enough to be hungry, but well off enough to not have to work for a couple of years. And so we took our own dollars, created an operating company, a GPLP structure, and then started buying assets. We bought the first couple on our own dime got those integrated, got everything up and rolling. And then at that point, started taking on investors and investing our dollars alongside theirs. And so we found a niche market, did that. And then as we continued to do more and more deals, deals beget deals. And so bigger and bigger capital was began to be attracted. And so we were looking for much larger deals right when everything kind of shut down in the oil and gas space you know, just a couple of months ago because of COVID and the Saudi-Russia price war. 
I was really intrigued with your story about your 100 meetings, because as you explained it to me, it was cups of coffee, it was lunches, it was a drink, perhaps, it was a dinner, it was going by someone's office, it could have been over the phone, it could have been virtual. I guess I was intrigued by, were people willing to sit down and talk to you, and were they willing to share their story, their experience, et cetera, with you? A hundred percent. And so the majority of the meetings that I had were I started with my own initial network. And then from there, everyone would say, oh, man, I love your story. I love what you're doing. Your business plan seems great. Here's some advice for you, maybe. And you've got to meet this guy. And so growing it, it just kind of grew. And everybody was willing to share because I came at it from the perspective of not, hey, I know what's going on. I've done this before. We made a 4X. We're a big deal. I came at it from the aspect of, hey, look, I'm about to go do this. It's more soft marketing. I'm about to go do this, and I'd really love your advice. This isn't something that we've done in a big scale before. We've done it as a part of a team. We're stepping out a little bit away from some of the upper management, and I would just love to learn. And one of the things that I found over my career, especially in the oil field, is that if you can be humble, people are really willing to help you, right? If you're not willing to tell them pridefully, all your accolades, but instead you're willing to tell them how you think you could be better and how you think you could improve from their advice. People are generally very willing and open. You know, humility is not something that gets talked about, I think, enough, but that's an incredible leadership skill. And what a great way for you guys to learn, grow, and really get some solid advice. Would that be a fair assessment? A hundred percent. Some of the best advice we got was in that first month. And if everything ever calms down, I'll do a comeback tour of it with a different subset of folks and following up with some of the ones who um, were gave me such great advice in the beginning. One of the other things that really intrigued me about your story and Iron Orchard story is that your corporate culture around financial and physical discipline. Most people think about that in terms of, well, it's just cost cutting, but you guys use it in a way that it's not cost cutting. It is a strategy that is embedded in our culture. And I was wondering if you could just talk about that a little bit. Yeah. And so when I came further and further into the space, more private monies, et cetera, one of the biggest things that I learned was called risk mitigation and capital discipline. And so if we never buy something that even whenever, if things go wrong, that we can be completely lost on, then we'll never completely fail. And that may limit and bring you to a different subset of assets than it would be if not. And so if something operates cheaply or you see where you can operate something much more cheaply than the guy next to you and we accumulate those assets, then that really works. And so for us, it's never doing something that we can't stand the risk of losing everything we just did. And if everything goes, I don't know, like oil and gas to negative pricing, can we sustain ourselves? And so that has already played out in the fact that we're continuing to operate, we're continuing to do well, And we're continuing to pursue the opportunities, even though we have assets and we're operating assets for ourselves as well as other people. And so to us, there's no other way to operate a business, right? We're a smaller team that isn't levered, that is continuing to do whatever it takes to get the job done. So Cody, in terms of your risk analysis or your risk management strategy, is basically you and your executive leadership team sort of look at it, talk through it and make a decision? Is it a very collaborative or is it something else? It's very collaborative. Some of the best comments that I've gotten have not always been from the oldest guys with the grayest hair. A lot of the comments were something that was passed along from 
a father who had gray hair to a son. And then I was talking to the son or vice versa. And so and some of it was just brilliant ideas from guys much younger than myself. And so everything we do is a team collaboration. There's no command and control structure per se. At the end of the day, the decision and responsibility as the CEO is mine. But if one of the guys on my team fails at something, that's my fault. But we're all held accountable. And so there's zero decisions made that are, I'm on an island by myself. And so I learned that at a, one of my bosses a long time ago taught me, if you bring it to the guys around you and you all agree, then you're all on the island together. But if you jump on that island by yourself, don't forget you're swimming all alone. And so, you know, 100% of what we do is a team sport. So you touched on this a little bit, but for anyone who may have just returned to the earth from Mars, we are in a nationwide health crisis and severe economic dislocation. I'm in Houston, Cody's in Houston, and whatever your economic dislocation is, it is very bad here in Houston, particularly in energy. So I was incredibly intrigued of how you've been able to weather this economic dislocation, particularly in energy, by keeping your corporate culture values at your forefront. Would that be a fair assessment? Uh, very fair. And so along the way, a lot of people who are struggling the most have a GNA system and burden that is tremendous compared to the assets that they hold. And that's something that we don't feel that we'll ever want to do. If the assets can't, even at the worst of times, support the team, then the team needs either to work a little harder or a little smarter to make sure that we can manage even through the most difficult times. Cody, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I was wondering if anyone wants any more information on Iron Orchard or wanted to maybe follow up and get in touch with you, how could they do so? Yeah, I mean, the easiest way to find out about us would be to go iron-orchard.com or email us at our email address, info at iron-orchard.com. Cody, I hope that perhaps we can visit in the future and continue the conversation. And let me just put this bug in your ear when you're finished up with your oil field days. Maybe you could go out and help people understand about corporate culture and what risk management really is. I would love to. Uh, helping people along the way is a big part of what we're doing at Iron Orchard, and it's a big part of what I personally want to do as well. So that sounds great. If you're a compliance professional looking for a convenient and effective way to fulfill your continuing education requirements, go to fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses and choose from four hour-long training packages that will keep you current. That's fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses.